Welcome back to Barnes University Radio. Um, If you paid attention to the Building My Board episodes one through nine, um, you know that I alluded to, you know, this draft season, watching that many prospects, 400 plus. um, I had to do something that I hadn't done before um, to the people, and that's you know, go live before every Tennessee Titans selection and really, you know, stand on my work and actually choose a prospect and ride with them for the rest of their career. As as far as, you know, building my own board and doing it like how they do it as close as possible. And I even mentioned the fact that a lot of people, you know, the funniest thing I saw on Twitter was actually, um, and you can follow me if you want to at BU underscore scouting was, you know, I guess he was trying to get at me saying, uh, go, um, play dress up and write names on the board. And, and I, and I think back on what that person said, and I, I can't help but to laugh because, you know, I, I mentioned this in one of the previous episodes was the great Muhammad Ali said, a man with no imagination has no wings. And uh, this is football. It's a game. Um, You know, scouting, draft, analyzing, player eval, player personnel, all that, whatever you want to call it, roster engineering, all that is a passion. Um, All of that is fun. All of that is out of love. And so please forgive me for not being a, um, you know, a a stiff or, you know, for not having fun with this whole process. Um, you know, especially while, you know, this is a vocation and something that I absolutely want to do for a franchise such as the Titans, you know, um, and I'm certainly working towards that as best as I know how currently. Um, you know, what does it hurt you know, what's the difference in me watching 400 uh, prospects building my own board and selecting live than what they're doing, actually? The only thing is, is literally the access and, and the literally these are the players that go to the Tennessee Titans. Outside of that, I'm literally doing what they're doing. In fact, I'm probably watching more tape than the workload that spread across eight to 15, maybe 20, you know, scouts and scouting assistants and director of player personnel and director of college scouting. So I'm actually doing more than individuals there. So just to gain some clarity on that situation. But without further ado, Tennessee Titans first round selection drafted. Jeffrey Simmons, Mississippi State defensive tackle. Um, First of all, I'll analyze their pick and talk about where I went live um, with the selection. They selected Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State, like I just said. Um, Coming off an ACL injury that happened in February, has a um, checkered pass more so prior to college. Um, but after that was the consummate human being while in college, um, 
He was my basically number one defensive tackle, tied for number one with Quentin Williams. Um, definitely enjoy watching this tape. He's a powerful juggernaut, can play all three positions on a 3-4 front, can play in a 4-3 as that as a defensive tackle, uh, and a 3-4 as a three technique on both sides and a zero technique at nose guard in the 3-4. Extremely scheme versatile. Uh, powerful hands, powerful upper body, lower body. Just, you know, as a prospect, top five prospect in terms of talent. Um, so you can't um, knock the selection there for the Tennessee Titans at number 19 overall for that type of talent. Um, my only thought process, and I'm and I'm kind of letting you in the mind. I'm thinking, okay, um, I'm my ideology is when I draft a player, I'm looking for quick production. I'm looking for immediate production. I'm drafting NFL ready. Like if it's the draft for 2019, I want 2019 production. I feel like the moves, such as what the Titans just did, is usually a move that. A perennial 11 and 5, 12 and 4 playoff team would make to where they can afford that delayed gratification from getting production out of your first round pick. So that was the mindset. That's why, in my whole mind, you know, knowing the type of talent he was, was he's transcendent? I don't think transcendent came to mind when watching Jeffrey Simmons. I just saw a really good prospect. To, to the point to where I, I'm not alone here, where I thought Jeffrey Simmons possibly could have fell out of the first round. So really, I'm looking for a defensive tackle, you know, that could give me production year one, you know, barring, you know, an odd occurrence of an injury. And my, who, Barnes University, who I selected was Jerry Tillery, who was the number one ranked interior pass rusher from that draft class. And I think that's one thing in one skill set that he provides. But overall, you know, he doesn't have the scheme versatility as a um, Jeffrey Simmons because I feel like he's more of a three technique. He can play where Daquan Jones plays. He can certainly play where Jarrell Casey plays. But as a consistent nose tackle, I think he's solid, but that's where he's deficient at, you know. You and it's really more of a body uh size type of deal. You want your you want your nose guards or nose tackles to be around the six foot to six four range, three hundred and five to three hundred and thirty pounds, because you need to be able to Great pocket push, demand double teams. And Jerry Tillery is 6'6", 295, probably will get up to 305 at the highest in his career. So better as a three-tech, shoot a gap, use your strong arm. And, you know, he's a smart player and he's going to develop a pass rush arsenal. And that's the type of player he's going to be. Is he good versus run? Solid. A great pass rushing defensive tackle that's going to give you production from day one. And that's who I went with 
you know, and, you know, Jerry Taylor was my number two defensive tackle, number three, if you're counting the tie with Quentin Williams and Jeffrey Simmons. And I, I, my ideology as a, as a player personnel decision maker, uh, 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 aspiring scout is I want my first round selections to have immediate production because I can't wait. You know, I'm in win now mode. You know, when I'm building a team, I'm trying to win that year. I'm not thinking because my players NFL careers are too short to be thinking past the current year. Now, as a winning team, perennial playoff team, yeah, you can draft and stash a lot of times, but not your first round pick. And that's not a knock against, you know, that regime or anything that was I'm just telling you guys my thinking. So Jerry Tilly would have been my first round pick. Um, second round, it came down to really I knew that I wanted to take a wide receiver. Titans were in the same mindset. So you can see defensive tackle, wide receiver was, you know, the same mindset on both ends. They ended up taking AJ Brown, who was very close. Uh, you know, a player that I was very close to taking as well. I think what he provides to that Titans offense is a a good slot guy, a good outside guy, um, uh, tremendous athleticism, the ability to really, I think, you know, be great in the red zone, make that uncanny big play uh, that you really need in a game. Um, I just really like his fit with the Titans, his ability to really just score the football, move the ball, and 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 be quarterback friendly with Marcus Mariota. Uh, I like the fit. Um, and my guy, you know, it came down to three guys. It was AJ Brown, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, and uh, Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella quickly got off of that mindset simply because of the size and just the type of wide receiver that I thought that. Marcus Mariota needed a guy with a bigger catch radius. And then coming down between A.J. Brown and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, it honestly just came down to precision for me and trusting my board. I had Arcega-Whiteside higher than A.J. Brown and a blue dot. If you don't know what the blue dot means for me here at uh, here at uh, Barnes University, it means that it's one of my guys. And one of the reasons that I remember standing out so much is uh, J.J. Arcega's white, white sides, uh, excuse me, route running um, and his projection. His projection seems steady. His career projection seems, you know, even if he's a six wide receiver guy a year and he barely cracks a thousand yards, to me, that's a steady career compared to the thought process behind A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown is going to hit the round, hit the ground running. I think his rookie season, if he stays healthy, he could get 10 touchdowns. But I see his first two to four years as being his most productive and a gradual decline. So I so I had to think of these prospects as who has the longevity, who has the spiky, trendy uh, production and then anchors off. And one of the reasons why I think that is the ability to be a, a precise route runner and create a niche in this league as opposed to be a flash in a pan athletic, you know, wonder um, and body types. I, I think that A.J. Brown is built better, more naturally athletic, but that also 
opens the room for more injury. I think that the way that our Sega Whiteside is built, kind of stiff in the lowers to some degree, at least in one leg that I noticed, could create maybe a knee injury later. But overall, and I know I'm talking scouting in a way that you've never heard it. And that's, to me, unique. Maybe not to you. But these are the projections and the thought processes I think about prospects. Now, literally, it's a toss-up. I even said that these players are very similar, almost identical. I think they even ran the same 40 time, 4-4-9. Big guys that can catch, uh, 50-50 ball winners. Uh, and I like their game. It's really just a, 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 you know, a mirror of themselves, and it depends on how it goes. I think I like... I mean, I know that I like Arcega Whiteside's just transition to pro style a little bit better and quicker than, you know, A.J. Brown. So that was my mindset. It's going to be interesting watching both of these guys' career. So let's keep it moving. Third round, uh, this was a place where, you know, the board spoke spoke a lot, but after a while, it started coming down to you knew that it was going to be a guard. Um, now, I had one guard in mind at that value, and it was Michael Dieter, who got selected uh, a few rounds out, uh, a few rounds, not a few rounds, but a few picks before Nate Davis. The Titans took Nate Davis out of Charlotte. Um, I've spoke about you know, Nate Davis. And when I went over the guards and building my board and I think, you know, he's, you know, for those that listen, I'll make this short just in general. I think it's a very simple eval. I think Nate Davis is a good pass protecting guard. Very technical in that sense. Not as good versus the run. Um, I think that if, if I was the Titans, just saying, if, you know, we all have different boards, if, I knew that I was taking a guard, and obviously the only thing with going live before every pick, you can't trade up or do those type of moves. But if I knew Dieter was a possible uh, player that would be taken four to four to six spots ahead of me, I would be trying to find a way to leapfrog somebody to um, get Dieter. If guard was my you know, mindset on position, you know, and if Dieter was gone, then I was willing to take somebody else, which I did. And I took DeAndre Walker, who the Titans eventually took, what, two or three rounds later, which you can say that's bad value. But on my board, he's my number two outside linebacker. I think he's he should develop into a solid, you know, uh, all around linebacker in this league. Um you know, and I mentioned on building my board what he provides. He checks the box of he checks more boxes than any outside linebacker in this draft. Whether he's elite at those things, that's the jury's still out on that. But he checks every box: special teams value, um, ability to pass rush, ability to to in run defense to hold his own in run defense, his coverage ability, which is very underrated. So he checks the boxes of several things, and to get him in the third round, to me, that's great. I know that he had a growing injury. Teams didn't see much. He probably wasn't the best interview, uh, but at the end of the day, he's a great player, and um, it's a good investment to make, and I took him in the third round, went ahead and nabbed him there. 
So I still think that's good value for us, for me here at Barnes University at being number two. He could have been number 18 for all I know for the Titans. But at the end of the day, both in both scenarios, both alternate universes or at least one, he's a Titan. So that's all that matters. Fourth round, Titan selected Amani Hooker. Um, I took Travion Williams. Thinking behind there is really very similar because it was almost like the uh, A.J. Brown or Sega Whiteside situation where it was very almost, I mean, almost very similar to just imagine if I took A.J. Brown live and then took Amani Hooker live as well. Amani Hooker was very high on my board in that situation. And I think if you look at it from a contingency plan situation, not necessarily what they can provide now, because let's face it, both will be reserves. Amani Hooker will be a reserve behind Bayard, uh, Vaccaro, maybe even Crookshank at that safety position if they move him there or, or play him there predominantly. You know, let's say it's third or fourth option. You look at Travion Williams, he would have been the third string running back. But if you look at, let's say, contingency plans outside of sub packaging, let's say something as much as injury. If Vaccaro got injured, would you really feel comfortable with Amani Hooker as your backup? Okay, and let's say if Deion Lewis got injured, would you feel comfortable as Travion Williams being that backup? So you look at some of the things and deficiencies that Amani Hooker has. And I and when you break it down, Vaccaro and Amani Hooker is somewhat similar. The difference is Vaccaro's length. And that is a is a is a very underrated aspect in his game. Because what that does, it allows it's a game of inches. Vaccaro's length is very important to a secondary because you get more batted passes. You get that little split second pass breakup, whereas Amani Hooker doesn't have that. He can play diagnose. Uh, he's good in the slot. He's okay at strong, not a post safety. He's not as interchangeable, right? The Titans like to interchange their safeties. He's not as interchangeable as Vaccaro would be. And Lord forbid if my guy KB goes out, is Amani Hooker a good replacement? Do you move Vaccaro there and then he's still that strong? So you're losing too much from that position group. Whereas if Henry or Lewis goes down, I believe Travion Williams provides immediate value. It's just a better value pick positionally. Do I like the Amani Hooker pick? Certainly do. I think he'll provide special teams work and play diagnostics. I love the prospect. Like I said, very close to selecting him myself. I just think value-wise, even from the fact, fact or projection of Henry being on his last year of his contract and Deion Lewis being on the last two years of his contract, just think it's better overall value there. Like the pick, like I said. I like really all the, the Titans pick to some degree. But this is just me explaining mine. So... In the fifth round, the Tennessee Titans selected, uh, went ahead and selected DeAndre Walker. Now, we've already talked about him as a prospect. I selected 
Dennis Daly guard. So that would be my version of Nate Davis later on because I couldn't get Dieter. Um, Dennis Daly is a prospect that I mentioned, you know, during that building my board, you know, I mentioned the guards and tackles together and mentioned the comparison with Davis and Daly. And I really think that the separation between Dennis Daly in run blocking and pass blocking being as as good, I think Nate Davis is a better pass protector than Dennis Daly marginally. So that when I use the word marginally, that's obviously implying that it's not that far apart. But Dennis Daly's prowess at run blocking is significantly better than Nate Davis's. So when you look at that, Dennis Daly is the more balanced prospect. And I got him in the fifth round. Um, So Dennis Daly's ceiling to improve and maybe even surpass Davis is a lot more likely than Davis's ability to surpass Daly at run blocking, if that all made sense. I think that Dennis Daly is just an overall better balanced prospect when you're looking in terms of shoring up that right side of the Titans offensive line that still needs some work real time in real life. So that was my prospect out of South Carolina. Like to get him in better conditioning, which he did. He trained, he trained with APEC and really worked on his body. Um, and I just like him as a prospect. I think that, you know, he played left tackle at South Carolina. I think he can play right tackle in this league. Uh, but I see him as a right guard and looking forward to what he does in Carolina, his actual team. Six-round pick, Tennessee Titans selected David Long, a guy that I watched at the Senior Bowl. Um, has a great story, is a great kid. Um, when he's clean, he's a heat-seeking missile. I like. I even mentioned liking him in sub package and, and with blitzes, spe- instant special teams contributor. So I like the idea there. I'm more when because the last three picks, a lot of people saying that the Titans went heavy special teams. Okay, that's to me. You picked. Okay, you picked. You know, guys that to me would be on coverage units, right? That's fine. The Titans didn't. You know, their coverage unit from what I thought, wasn't that bad last year, you know, and, you know, I can always get a special teams veteran off of the street, you know, I like to put offensive guys in special team roles, especially blocking roles, um, because I think that's more of a natural thing, and I think biggest thing for the Titans, and this is where I went with my six-round pick, is to get better field positioning with returns, specifically punt returns. Kick returns, we had a high uh, yards per return average. And I think a lot of that was due to, you know, um, I wouldn't say the amount of times was the coverage units we were facing and a few big returns that kind of spiked the yards per average. I think that Darius Jennings is, a good catch guy. He's going to run to daylight. And, you know, got to give him credit for that. Uh, on special teams in terms of punt return, we had a Dory Jackson back there. 
which in, at USC he was a dynamo, and and but in the NFL he has yet to have a touchdown return that stuck. He did have, I think, a, a couple that were called back due to in uh, not injury, but penalty. So from that perspective, what the Dory Jackson is lacking is confidence here in the NFL. Uh, he's very hesitant to find holes, to hit holes. He doesn't, he doesn't have very good vision as a punt returner at the next level. And I think that's a missing piece. You're trying to become the best team possible, or as the new mantra would say, good to great. You were good on punt returns last year. You were good on kick returns last year. Let's be great. And, you know, certainly, you know, amongst this crop of guys, you know, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, who the Titans I'll talk about a little bit um, after this podcast, just to let it breathe a little bit. But Anthony Ratliff-Williams is a guy that you get that can provide returnability that ended up as an undrafted free agent for the Titans. You look at a guy like Deontay Harris um, from Assumption, who's who's a great returner. Uh, Kelvin McKnight from Samford. Um, and then you got Kevontae Turpin from TCA, TCU, who I selected. And the reason why I just think that he plays the game of football in a at a different um, with a different attitude and a different it factor. And I know a lot of people are going to make a play on words with what I just said. And shame on you. Now, what's going on in, in his life outside of the football field? Yes, it's very serious. I do not condone it, and I won't speak on it whatsoever during this podcast. But as a football player, he's one of the best returners in this draft class. Probably, if not the fastest, the top three fastest players in this draft class. And he plays the game at a different pace and at a different passion and tenacity as the aforementioned returners not to say they're not as good but what I really needed was that dynamic element and I think that's what Kevontae Turpin has he is currently undrafted no workouts no tryouts set up but I guarantee you whatever team whether it be the XFL arena football Canada are they're going to be getting one of the best returnments they've ever seen uh and uh, that's where I went. They went special teams defensively. I went special teams offensively to get better field position. And you take risks. You know, some would say that the Titans' first round selection in real life was a was a risk for uh, not not necessarily the same reasons, uh, but you know, kind of sort of same implications to whoever the fan. It may differ to which fan you talk about or talk to. So that would be my draft. Um, Those are my players. That's my reasoning behind it. I hope the logic was uh, articulated well. But, um, you know, I'm going to be talking about the Tennessee Titans undrafted free agency just to put it on wax here. But that's my picks. I think overall J-Rob did a good job. I think the value of his picks is tremendous. Um... I think the value is the main thing. He got great value, and he got good contributors in some way. I think the main thing in my draft was, you know, well, 
he verbally said he wanted wolves. Um, but just the tone was trying to get wolves. But the actual result to me was you got good contributors all around, good teammates all around. My whole ideology coming into this draft, and it's really the same every year. I'm trying to draft ballers. I'm trying to draft guys that can help right away. And I think but the undertone and the finality of this was I ended up drafting um, uh, football players, especially on the top half, who are football strategists, who are extremely intelligent. Um, you look at Jerry Tillery and J.J. Arcega Whiteside for my first two draft picks. It's like I'm trying to build an all-academics team. Um, then my third-round pick, DeAndre Walker, being highly under underrated as a prospect in general, checks every box versatility. So that adds to football prowess and football flexibility. Then my fourth-round pick, Travion Williams, is just a running back there. Probably one of the hardest working running backs in the 2019 NFL draft class. Wants to sure up his ball security, but overall just a just a bullet out there as a running back, um, a, a bowling ball, uh, a pinball, a speed and a, a subtlety to his movements, and and I really like his game from an agility and elusive standpoint. Uh, and then you look at the fifth round pick, Dennis Daly, who who is, is, I wouldn't say a finished prospect. I don't think anybody is, but certainly a guy you can work with with run pass, um, being balanced in that manner. And then Kevontae Turbin, who, you know, very controversial. Um, but like I said, people, a lot of times people will like to be the judge and jury with people, knowing that they have their own skeletons in their closet. And, you know, um, he's, I don't judge. You know, and, you know, giving him his chance, certainly if he does something wrong again, yeah, he has to understand that this is his last go. And if he does something again, then maybe football wasn't a, as high as priority, as high of a priority on his list as it should have been. And that's what it is. And you take those risks. But overall, just an electrifying player, electrifying returner who is not half bad at wide receiver as well, whether it's gadget or in the slot. So um, I like my drive class. I like Jay Robs, um, you know, respecting, you know, it's more than one way to skin a cat. Our free agency was very similar. Um, and our draft would have been very similar outside of a few picks. So I really feel like, you know, this regime has done as much as they can. Right now I'd add probably some def defensive line help, a few veteran linebackers, Maybe another veteran wide receiver and a better uh, competition at running back. I think that's that's where they're at. Sure up that right side of the offensive line and find a contingency corner out for injury. You know, you never know. That's really how we'll go with this roster moving forward and get ready for training camp, get ready for preseason, stay healthy, try to win the championship. So next episode, Barnes University Radio, we're going to be talking about uh, just a few undrafted free agents uh, overall and the ones that I like for the Titans. And I say a few, I mean pretty much every team's, but the ones that I like from every team. And that's it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this edition, I guess you can call it explaining the draft. I'll make up some good name for it. Good, some good hashtag. Analyzing the live Live analyzing the draft, 
whatever, my draft. It was very fun this year, and uh, hopefully I'm doing it for a franchise um, next year, preferably the Titans. If not, I'll just have to win a championship on them. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Barnes University, Charles Barnes, God bless.